0: Open your Bibles, please, to the Book of Psalms, chapter 138. We're taking a brief detour from our series through Second Timothy, and we will—I'll preach a couple Christmas messages as well. But we'll come back to Second Timothy next week. We're going to look uh, this morning at Psalm 138 and talk about the thankful life. And uh, just—I don't think I've ever needed Thanksgiving more than I did this year. Just needed it this year, and to be reminded of the blessings in the middle of a challenging season of life and a challenging year. I just needed it more than ever. Years ago, our youngest son had a benign tumor on his skull and everything worked out okay, but they had to remove it. And so there's a little bit of, you know, worry about that initially. And so we went to Children's Hospital, which is here in St. Louis. Man, what a great hospital, just one of the finest hospitals, in the country, and, um, and they do things like this all the time. And so it changed our perspective to be there. Uh, in many ways, our son was probably the healthiest child there. Um, just lots of people who faced lots of great challenges and some serious, serious health concerns there. And we just got to use that in our life to help us to look at things a little bit differently. He changed our perspective. And he used that to help us to gain a thankful heart and to recognize the blessings in the middle of the difficulties. And so I want to read Psalm 138, because maybe I'm not the only one who needed Thanksgiving more than ever. Maybe God will use this in your life to help you see the need for Thanksgiving. Let's read Psalm 138. The Bible says, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. You have exalted your name and your promise above everything else. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased strength within me. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. If I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Well, let's talk about the thankful heart and what that looks like. And and I want you to note three principles. If you're watching online, you can take notes right there at home or wherever you are. Or if you're watching this later, just write these three principles down. If you're here in person, would you write these on the back of your worship guide or the church app? Let's, let's note these together. First, would you note the thankful heart is a decision? It's a decision. This is one of the important concepts I want you to get that the thankful heart is a decision that you make. Notice how the Bible says in verse 1 and 2, I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I will bow down toward your holy temple. I will give thanks to your name. He's, he's saying this, I will, over and over, because it's a decision. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 is a great verse. It says, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Love that verse. Give thanks in everything, in everything, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. If you wonder, what's God's will for me in this season of life? This is God's will for for you to give thanks in everything. It's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus Christ leads us to give thanks in everything, and that's God's will. So if it is a decision. If the thankful heart is a decision, it means it's not based in some things. Let me know three things it's not based in. It's not based in circumstances. It's not based in circumstances. Notice there's no except clause here. It doesn't say give thanks in everything except when times are hard and you've got some financial problems or maybe you've got some health issues or people aren't treating you right. It doesn't say that, does it? It says give thanks in everything. It says, I will give you thanks. I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple. I will give, you th- give thanks to your name. It's not based on circumstances. I will have you note that the First Thessalonians passage doesn't say, I thank God for everything. It says, I give thanks in everything. There are things that you don't much like or difficult things in life that we aren't thankful for, but we're thankful in them. We're thankful in them. So that the psalmist says, I'm going to thank you in every circumstance, isn't, not just the good, not just when it's smooth, not just when it's comfortable, not just when it's easy, not just when I'm happy, not just when I have a, uh, circumstances are going well, but in everything. It's a decision that you make. So that if you're thankful, you have decided to be thankful, and if you're not thankful, it is because you've decided not to be thankful, and it's not based in circumstances. It's not based in comparison. Well, this is the enemy of joy in your life comparison is the enemy of joy in your life. And it says, how can I be thankful? Because look what that guy has. I don't have that, and that guy has that. You see what that family has? How can I be thankful? Because that family, that family has that. I don't, my family doesn't have that. How could I be thankful? That comparison, the enemy is really clever at what he does, and he'll have you for the rest of your life comparing yourself to someone else who has what you don't have whose circumstances are different than yours, and he will absolutely rob you of the joy God wants you to experience. Comparison is a common thing. God made you differently than others, different gifts, talents, abilities, even resources. And by the way, while we're on comparison, let's know how God has blessed us in this nation. We ought not forget that. If, you're, if comparison is the real key, then couldn't other people all over the world note how little they have and decide not to live a thankful life? But the Bible says it's a decision. It's not based in entitlement. I'm speaking to our American culture now, aren't I? We're entitled to things. The government owes us something. The world owes us something. Everyone else owes us something. And that sense of entitlement has become such a part of our culture. It's a part of our commercials. It's a part of our politics. So we just think we're owed something. And, and while we're on that subject, of course, God in heaven, boy, he owes us something, doesn't he? I mean, as good as we are, as kind as we are, as nice as we are, as fine a people as we are, God in heaven owes us something. Well, now that you brought the subject up, yes, theologically speaking, God does owe us something. Theologically speaking, God does owe us something. He owes us judgment for our sins. You didn't like that part so much, did you? <laughs> he, owes us, he owes us judgment for our actions. Aren't you thankful? He doesn't give us what we deserve, but he gives us, gives us grace and mercy instead. That's what he offers to us. So a thankful life cannot happen if it's based in entitlement, if it's based in comparison, or if it's based in circumstances. We'll never live a thankful life. But it's based in a decision. Notice what it's not based in, circumstances, comparison, entitlement. Let's note what it is based in. It's based in an attitude of worship. He says, I'll give you thanks with all my heart. I'll sing your praise before the heavenly beings. I'll bow down, he says, toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name. Thanksgiving and praise are so intrinsically connected. There's such a connection between them. You can never fully separate them. And an attitude of worship is a huge part of a thankful heart. And our worship always leads to a thankful, genuine worship always leads to a thankful spirit, and true, a true thankful heart always leads to worship, because we're thankful to the Lord Himself, and the thankful heart is a decision. So, I'm going to tell a story. I've told this story lots of times. It's so meaningful to my family. It's meaningful to my father, and then, therefore, meaningful to our life. And so, I, I tell this story fairly frequently. I won't tell the story of my father's conversion, though I tell that in a membership class always. But my father trusted Christ when he was young. He and his father, his family did not, they did not grow up following the Lord and they came to know Christ as Savior. So years later, my dad was old enough, he passed away some years ago, but my dad was born long ago enough that he was in the end of World War II. So he tried to enlist, it was toward the end of World War II, he tried to enlist and he could, they wouldn't let him in because he could only see out of one eye. And so they didn't, they wouldn't accept him. And so a few months later, the army drafted him. That's, that's sort of how the army sometimes work, you know, go Air Force, right? I mean, so uh, he, gets, he gets drafted. It's the end of World War II though. Things are winding down and, you know, he didn't even go overseas. And um, a, he said, there's a big group of them together somewhere. And the general walked in and said, who wants to go home? Well, every guy there raised their hand. Yeah, they all wanted to go home. And so off they go. Just He'd been just a couple days under a year having served. And so he went back home and began his career in construction and, and back here to downstate Illinois where he lived. And um, a few years later, the Korean conflict came along. And to his surprise, my dad got a draft notice. And so he went to the draft board or wherever it was and said, it was obviously a mistake. I already served in the military. And they said, well, you didn't serve a full year, and so you're eligible for the draft again. And okay, so that's why you know you never volunteer in the army. I mean, don't raise your hand for anything. I think that's the lesson to be learned. So off he goes to Korea, and he, had, I mean, he was just not expecting to do that. He was at an age where he not expected to. Was, you know, he left his family, his career, his everything he knew. To go to Korea, and he was lonely, and he was homesick, and it was dangerous. And uh, he wasn't on the front lines all the time, but there were moments when he was getting shot at and times when he was shooting at people, and that's a hard, thats that happens sometimes in warfare you may know, and it was just a hard thing, and everything about that just made his life difficult and hard. And though he had trusted Christ as his Savior long years before, I mean, he was just kind of a, you know, there, his faith was... Sort of shaky, and so he had some time away and kind of R and R back uh, farther, farther back in Korea, and he had some, just a little bit of personal time. And so he did; he, he decided to climb a hillside, kind of a small mountain, a uh, big hill. You know, downstate Illinois doesn't have any hills to speak of, and so this was kind of a novel thing for him. And for whatever reason, and he talked about this story. I heard, he, heard him tell the story lots of times, but. Uh, I don't know that he even knew why he did this, but on that hillside, with all the you know, terribleness of life, lonely, dangerous, homesick, all of that. He started, of all things, he started counting his blessings. And the more he counted, the more he thought of. You know how that is. You start counting blessings, and that's when you begin to think of the blessings that you have. And you sort of and, and he, the more he counted, the more he thought of. And it just he spent that a long period of time thanking the Lord for his blessings, and it was really life-changing for him. And so he came down from that hillside, really a different man. I would say he came with a thankful heart. So that while my father was certainly not a perfect man, like, you know, no, no man, no woman is, um, he, I don't know that I've ever known anyone with a more thankful spirit than my father had. And it happened in a time of great difficulty. Circumstances were terrible. By comparison, there are other guys enjoying life back in the United States. He could have said, I'm entitled, and I would have served in the military for crying out loud. But he made a decision that was life-changing for him. And there are some of you here who have said something like this, man, I'd be thankful if it wasn't for my circumstances. Or if I had what they have then I'd be thankful. Well, if I just got what I, you know, deserve. And the Lord is dealing with your heart about the I will of this passage. I will give you thanks. I will sing your praise. I will bow down to worship. I will give thanks to your name. I will give thanks in everything, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. And I want I want you to just note this. The thankful heart is a decision that you make. There's a second principle I'd like you to note with me this morning. That is the thankful heart is a testimony. It's a testimony. It's a powerful testimony. Go with me, please, to verse 4. The Bible says, all the kings on earth, all the kings on earth, that's a big statement. This is a great verse. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord. Well, why would they do that? When are they going to do that? When they hear what you have promised, they will sing of the Lord's way, for the Lord's glory is great. The kings of the earth, when they hear about what's happened to the to the king of Israel, when they find out what's happened to this shepherd boy become a king David, or when they find out what God has done, there's a powerful testimony to this. There's a powerful testimony to a thankful heart. In fact, perhaps nothing is a greater witness to the world than the thankful heart of believers. Perhaps nothing is a greater witness to the world than the thankful heart of the thankful hearts of believers, especially in difficult days, especially in difficult days. What you do in difficult days may be the greatest opportunity for testimony that you ever have. It may be the greatest witness that you ever give. So let's talk about what the thankful heart testifies of. Three things that I'd note here. First note, the thankful heart testifies of new strength. Verse 3 says, On the day I called you answered me. Well, I am thankful the Lord answers prayer. I am thankful the Lord answers us when we call. He may not always do it in the way we want or as we think He ought to, but the Lord who deeply loves you, cares about you more than you care about yourself, He answers. And here's how He answers specifically. The psalmist said, you increased strength within me. My strength did not come from me or my talent or my ability or my hard work, but it came from you. The Bible says our strength is not found in our ability or our talents or our hard work even it's found in the Lord. And when we are weak, that's when we're strong because that's when we trust the Lord and depend upon Him and not upon ourselves. And that's what the Lord wants us to learn. He wants us to learn this lesson. There's a testimony to God using weak people like us, fallen, frail, broken people like us. There's a testimony to that. When people see the strength of God in us, when it's bigger than we can handle, it's still not too big for God to handle. There's a testimony to God's strength in us. Secondly, the thankful heart testifies of God's glory. Verse 5 says, They will sing of the Lord's ways, for the Lord's glory is great. The Lord's glory is great. There's a testimony to our worship. And the Lord is a great and glorious God. We're not, we're not like, we don't gather here saying, you know, we're so perfect. Wait, watching world. Look how perfect we are. Not at all. We're pointing to the glory of the Lord. We're the broken, fallen, frail ones. We're pointing to the glory of God. We want people to sing, and there is a power to singing. Some of you are very musically oriented, and you know that. But even if you're not that musically talented, the Lord could have made it all one tone for us. Instead, He's given us this great variety of music, and we can sing of the Lord's way, and, the, and we can sing of the glory of God. The Lord's glory is great. We have a great object to sing of. We can sing of the glory of the Lord, and there is a witness to our worship. Many people have walked into this place who do not know Christ as Savior, who cannot even, technically speaking, worship the Lord. They don't even know Christ as Savior, but they see the witness of our worship. And they say those people are broken and frail and fallen, but they're worshiping something bigger than themselves. And God uses that witness of His glory, His greatness, from frail, fallen people like us as a testimony, as a witness of who He is. And so we joyfully sing praise to the glory of God. We give glory to Him because His glory is great. And then thirdly, the thankful heart testifies of our connection. Verse 6 says, Though the Lord is exalted, I mean, He's glorious. He takes note of the humble, but He knows the haughty from a distance. Boy, you want to distance yourself from God, you live a haughty, prideful life. But our humility is when we recognize we need the Lord, and the Lord comes close to those who humble themselves. And we're testifying of the connection we have with God. God does the work in us. God enables us. God strengthens us. It's His glory we point to. We are connected to Him in a relationship. It's not just about religion for us. It's about a relationship with God. The thankful heart is a testimony. My wife and I watch recently, uh, we sometimes record television shows and Watch them later and fast forward through commercials. As much as we love, you know, lots of commercials. Sometimes we'll just fast forward through those commercials. I know you probably really enjoy the commercials, the political commercials especially, were a really joyful time in American life. But we so this is some months ago. We had recorded some reality show. All of television apparently is becoming reality show. I think perhaps in the future, every one of us will have our own reality show. Every single home in all of the world. I, that's what the world seems to be going to. But we are watching some reality show of some sort, and it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. If you're, if you're watching, uh, this if you hear this later on radio or watch sometime later, 2020 was a year of great joy and excitement. The pandemic was an exciting time for us, and it's the beginning of the pandemic, and these guys are filming themselves because the crews have gone home, and they're just filming themselves, and they're talking about how difficult the pandemic is and how scary it is. And I got just tired of hearing them talk about COVID and pandemic. I'm just, you know, I have such weariness from that. And they were talking about how hard it was. And I thought, this is a, you've got months, wait till, you, wait till six or seven or eight months later. We'll see how much you enjoy it uh, then as well. And I, I just wearied, I was find myself wearied of watching that discussion, having now kind of lived through this uh, three decade long year that we've been in, in, the year 2020. But I am reminded that with problems come opportunities, with difficulties come opportunities. And the thankful heart is a testimony. Perhaps nothing is a greater witness to the world than the thankful hearts of believers, especially in difficult times. Especially in difficult times. And God will use even the pain and problems and struggles you're facing. God wants to use them as a testimony to this world. And when you have peace, when the world is falling apart, that's a testimony. When you have faith, when the world has lost it, that's a testimony. When you're following the Lord closely in hard times, it's one thing to follow the Lord when everything's going well, but when it's difficult, there is a power to that testimony. And it's an opportunity that comes no other way. Don't waste the problems in life. See them as opportunities to bring glory and honor to the Lord. The thankful heart is a testimony. There's a third principle I'd like you to note. Would you write this down? The thankful heart is a motivation. It's a motivation. Nothing motivates us to serve and follow the Lord like a thankful heart. Nothing motivates us to serve the Lord, to follow the Lord like a thankful heart. You might be motivated by guilt for a little while, but not for a lifetime. You might serve the Lord because someone's thanking you for a while, but not forever. But nothing motivates our service like a thankful heart. When it, when our service comes out of a thankful heart, that's service that can last. When we follow the Lord out of a thankful heart, knowing what He has done for us, that can last. So let's talk about what the thankful heart motivates us to. Three things. Would you note, first of all, the thankful heart motivates us to trust God's protection. Verse 7 says, if I walk into the thick of danger, I love that phrase. It seems like danger is often thick. Have you ever noticed that? It just comes in waves and the psalmist is saying if I walk into the thick of danger do you think David ever stepped into danger do you remember the story when he was a little shepherd boy and a lion and a bear that attacked the flock or do you remember the story of Goliath that giant man when he was still a young when he was really a boy still and he had to face that giant or you remember when Saul was chasing him the king of Israel Saul wanted to take David's life out of a jealous rage do you remember those things Man, those were times when he had to learn to trust God's provision. Those were moments that were thick with danger. And he says here, if I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. And he's saying, I can trust the Lord's protection in the most difficult moments of life. You know, there came a day when David discovered he could trust the Lord when there's a bear or a lion. He could trust the Lord when there was a a giant, or a jealous king. But even found they could trust the Lord in death. When we are sick, we pray for healing. We're thankful for a God who heals. And, and God can heal right here in this world the problems that we're facing. But there is, there's the promise of God's ultimate protection. I, I just remind you that the greatest healing God does ultimately is the healing He does at the end of our lives. Heaven's a place of no more sickness, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pandemics, no more pain. And we can trust the Lord's protection in this world and beyond, even more beyond, to eternity itself. Secondly, the thankful heart motivates us to see God's purpose. Verse 8, if you're you're an underliner in your Bible, would you underline that sentence, that first sentence in verse 8? The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. The Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Man, there's a power to that. The Lord made you for a reason. He has a purpose for your life. You're not an accident or a mistake or an afterthought. God made you for a purpose, and He will fulfill His purpose for you. He'll fulfill it with you or around you, but He will fulfill His purpose for you. And I'm thankful for a God who does that. He'll fulfill his purpose even in the most difficult times. He'll use your pain to fulfill his purpose for you. He'll use your problems. He'll use your thankful spirit given to him. the, the, The thankful spirit reminds us God in heaven made us, and he made us for a reason, and he placed us here for a purpose, and he wants to accomplish his purpose through us. He wants to do his work in and through us. God made you for a purpose. There's a purpose to your life. It's not a mistake that God placed you in this world, or it's not a mistake that God has you in that family, or in that job, or in that school, that he's given you the skills and talents or abilities that you have, that he's given you the opportunities that come your way. The thankful heart motivates us to see God's purpose. When we're thankful, we're seeing God has done these things. He's blessed us for a reason. You know, the purpose for God's blessings are not just so we have blessings, God doesn't just give us blessings so we can accumulate blessings, but He blesses us so that we will bless. God blesses us so that we will be a blessing. And the thankful heart fulfills God's purpose by seeing God has blessed us to bless. He's provided for us to provide. God uses us to accomplish His purposes, and the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. And the thankful heart, thirdly, motivates us to seek God's presence. The Bible says in verse eight, "Lord, your faithful love endures forever." Faithful love is a beautiful word. There, it's a, kind of the Old Testament version of grace or mercy. Your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands, Lord. I need the psalmist saying, "I need your presence more than anything else. More than I need health or wealth or power or things or whatever it else, whatever it is I'm chasing, or, or the world says I need to grab." A grab on to, I need you. That's what I need, you. I want your presence in my life. And the thankful heart is thanking God, not just some spiritual hope or not just a thankfulness in a void, but thanking God himself. And we need God's presence. We need his presence in salvation. And if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, I want to ask you to give your life to Christ, to repent of your sins, and place your faith in Jesus who died for you and rose from the grave for you. And receive him as savior and if you know christ as savior what you need in this world more than all the things of this world is the lord himself and he wants you to spend time with him and he wants you to know him and he wants a relationship that's alive and real and vibrant so i told my story of uh, my father from all those years ago but it really wasn't quite the end of the story he while he was counting his blessings god used that to confirm that he really wanted my father to follow him fully and My father um, felt called by God to go into into ministry to serve him in some vocational way as best he could. So my father, who did not finish high school, who did not like education very much, and education didn't like him very much. He had what we would designate today as like dyslexia or something, and he just wasn't very strong academically. Um, went back to seminary on the GI Bills. One of the nice things the military can do for guys is to give them opportunities to get further education. And so he went to seminary and uh, did the best he could. Always thought he's, he struggled with English grammar, and so that did not help him when it came to things like Greek and such, of course. And, but he studied and prepared. He became a bivocational pastor. He, he always made his career as his finances as a construction worker. But in small towns, he would, we'd move to different towns all the time for construction jobs, and he would pastor churches or be a, 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 as a bivocational pastor or sometimes to be the interim pastor. Or when he wasn't pastoring, he would serve as a, uh, our version of a life group teacher. He would share the gospel all of his life. In fact, the day before he uh, died, he was sharing the gospel as that, that day before he um, slipped into a coma and, went to be with the Lord. He was sharing the gospel. And I thought, all of that came out of God's work in him and a thankful heart. So my mom, after my dad died, you know, you start going through pictures. And my mom um, she was, you know, shuffling through all the old pictures. There's a billion of them. We used to take slides in the day. That slide projector thing was not the greatest idea that America's ever had, but it was still, it was nice. But she had a an actual picture of this. Someone had taken a picture of my dad when he was young. Did you know your dad used to be young at one time? It's the same. You know, we think of our dads as we don't know them till they're older. And my dad was young. There was in. There's a picture of him in Korea, and he's got muscles, you know, and he's thin, and he got the, the little green uh, t-shirt thing that they used to, the wife beater t-shirts, you know, the army always gave to everybody then, and and he was. Um, Standing in front of a, you know, standing in the forefront, and in the background there's this hill. And my mom said, "That hill, that's where your your dad told me. That's the hill where he climbed that hill all those years ago. And of all the crazy things in the world, started counting in the middle of Korea with all the problems. Started counting his blessings. That's it. That's the hill. And that started a trajectory of life." And I'll just tell you, maybe I'm the only one, but I just needed Thanksgiving this year because it's easy for me to forget the blessings of God. That's not hard at all for me to note the problems. That's not hard at all. That comes easily for me. But the blessings, that takes some intentionality. And they take some counting. But they change things. A thankful heart changes things. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we act. It changes what we do. It changes the motivation for why we do what we do. It draws us closer to the Lord himself, to obeying him, following him, and living for him, serving him. And so I ask you today to make the I will, make that your I will. The in everything, in everything, make that your in everything. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. As we pray, if you've never trusted Christ as Savior, would you give your life to Christ? Receive him as Savior. He'll save you. Repent of your sins. Place your faith in Jesus who lived that perfect life for you, died that death you deserve, and rose from the dead for you, and he'll save you. Receive him as Savior. Christian, would you say, God, make that I will, my I will, I will give thanks. Lord, make that give thanks in everything. Make that my in everything. I, want to, I will give thanks in everything. Lord, would you help me to follow you and live for you and have the thankful heart so that your name is glorified even in the middle of the most difficult stages of life itself so that I testify of your greatness. Let it be the motivation of my heart. Father, thank you for your word, the power of it, the truth you teach us. For a man like David, with all the problems he faced, who had a thankful heart for a man like Paul, imprisoned and beaten and and filled with a life of adversity and yet a thankful heart. Lord, give that to us. Would you, Lord, help us to change our perspective so that we see life as you see it. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And, uh,